Hi, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development, and we are currently live in the breakout room. So, welcome and welcome, and we love being here for you with quality and value to inspire and to transform. Remember, we are on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and iTunes. Today, as usual, we have a special guest to share with you for your development and growth and to live your better informed life. So, grab a cup, pull up a seat, and stay tuned for the introduction right here now, live in the Breakout Room. Hi, people, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development, and our next guest live in the Breakout Room is Tina Fumo. That's the lady of the moment. She is best known as author of Fancy Prison and a public speaker. That's the publication. She promotes herself on a regular basis and her cause. Fancy Prison is her leading publication. So, let's welcome our guest right here live in the breakout room. On Andy's personal development, Tina Fumo. Hi, Tina. Hi, Tina. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to just turn down the sound a little bit here. It's a different volume than your ads. So. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Welcome, 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 welcome. welcome. Yes. Yeah, yeah we are so good and we are so thankful. So warmly encouraged that you have decided to come on to our show we thank you for taking the time off to do so yes and to yeah. all our listeners and audience who'd be hearing this live and recorded we know that we are in for a really wonderful and encouraging and uplifting time sharing this moment or these moments with tina so tina first of all tell us something can you recall Anything with regards to your childhood days, any wonderful enthralling memories that you can recover of times when you were growing up? Because basically that was the foundation that would set you for the rest of your life. Can you recall <laughs> any wonderful childhood memories? I have, I have lots of childhood memories. As far <laughs> as food is concerned, my background, both my parents are Italian. They immigrated after World War II because World War II had pretty much torn up uh, southern Italy. Yeah. And my mother's cooking, oh my goodness, I have dreams about my mother's cooking. I, wow. I, I Yeah, I, um, I can't say that I'm much of a cook at all. I prefer, I have other interests, but uh, yes, I've never been able to duplicate my mother's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Thanks for sharing. That's warm. Mm -hmm. So tell us something, Tina. Um, what what is the one thing if you had one word to use to describe tina fumo what would it be in terms of your character your mannerisms what is that one word that you would use to describe yourself mm, tenacious wow yeah i love that I, yeah i think as a child it kind of it starts as uh stop being stubborn and mm -hmm. strong-willed and i can see that in my granddaughter now but i think <laughs> As you get older, that stubbornness gets polished mm -hmm. and it becomes tenacity. 
Mm-hmm. And in a good way, I think when right, you, right. yeah, in, in a way that you are, you have conviction and you believe in your values and you believe and you stand for what you believe in. Yeah. Okay, great. So tell us a little bit about Fancy Prison and mm-hmm. the inspiration behind that publication. I know it's deeply personal to you and it's going to warm up and light up some hearts. What was the... <laughs> inspiration behind fancy prison well it's uh wow i'm gonna try to sum this up in uh, in, yeah. a, in a few minutes so i'll just yeah. show you the book here yeah so mm-hmm. fancy prison yeah and the what inspired it was i i guess personally i've always wanted to write a book i probably didn't know what the book was going to be about until mm-hmm. 2017 five years ago it was the best and the worst year of my life it was the best mm-hmm. year because i became a grandmother but then the worst year because becoming a grandmother was not at all what i thought it was going to be mm-hmm. we had to deal with a system and we had to deal with social workers who dragged us into court and we had to fight to get back a child who already belonged to us. I I mean, it was incredibly stressful. It was expensive, humiliating, and extremely frustrating. Wow. But how did it get to that? How did it reach to the point where you all had to go through all this trauma? Well, I think what they do, and, and probably people who are watching... The, the show now, they may or may not know how easy it is for someone to place a call to child protection. Mm-hmm. And then from there, they take that call. And whether it's true or not, their decision making process is incredibly subjective. And to me, there was no objectivity at all. Because for example, in my daughter's case, and we can, I can only re- really speculate because they weren't very clear at all about mm-hmm. what the complaint was and what, mm-hmm. what measures we could take to right. protect our human rights and our family rights. Mm-hmm. What they seemed to emphasize was their power to take the baby, not so much oh, having wow. any reason to do so. So, mm-hmm. for example, my daughter's case, we think the complaint was that my daughter was a meth head, mm-hmm. a, a drug a, a yeah. addict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had coerced a signature out of her in her last trimester of pregnancy, which allowed them to go into her medical files. They got urine tests. The tests came back clean. Mm-hmm. After the baby was born, they got um, they took samples from the from the baby's umbilical cord, mm-hmm. and again those came back clean. And then now I enter the the story. So my book starts off with me driving through a winter blizzard in yeah. March of 2017 to get to the bottom of the situation because the, up until then the baby was born, but there was still a tremendous amount of confusion going on. Wow. Wow. And when I got there, the social workers were in the process of take, having taken a sample of my daughter's placenta, the afterbirth Mm -hmm. and sending Mm -hmm. it off to labs to prove yet again, this theory that she was a method, even though, the urine tests were clean. That came the, clean, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and and the umbilical cord, and she was telling the social workers 
I, I'm not a meth head. Like, I, I don't know where you're getting your information from. <laughs> wow, I've never, wow. I've never touched this stuff and I never will. So, yeah. I don't like, I don't understand why, despite this evidence and this oral, you know, they're, they're not giving her the benefit of the doubt. I don't understand why we ended up in court because when I got there, they still took the baby. Two days later, okay. Okay. they took the baby out of my arms and put her into um, foster care. And I was right there. <laughs> You know, I mean, the, one of their policies is that children automatically go to next of kin. Well, mm -hmm. I like I saw no no compliance with that because I was okay. right there and there right. was no reason that my granddaughter shouldn't have gone to me instead of strangers in foster care. So they ended up being very nice people, but I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, what an experience. Uh -huh. Yeah. So that's sort of the catapult of our whole ordeal. And I mean, long story short, we did get the baby back, but it, mm -hmm. you'd think it would be easy, but it wasn't. I think once they realized that, ooh, we, we picked the wrong baby and we didn't do our homework very well because this mother actually has support and a team behind her and some resources and then they're like oh man how do we get out of this now but it's like too bad you took the baby so you yeah, know, just, yeah, yeah. you're gonna have to suffer the consequences because exactly you're not making this easy for us but mm -hmm. it's not my job to make your job easier like you did this so you have to pay yeah. the consequences of this and wow. maybe just maybe you'll learn from it and actually the next family that you encounter you'll treat better but that's not mm. what happened at all no yeah yeah no, no. Wow. that's not what happened at all yeah so that's why i call oh, bs my. on the system it's just it i there's a whole bunch of things that i get into in my book but oh <laughs> uh, you just you just dealt with the putting on points based on your experience mm, yeah yeah. So, so tell us, Tina, how long did this uh, ordeal last for? And in terms of uh, the experience, how was it going through that from stage one to where you finally got what you deserve? Yeah. Uh, it took 27 days to get the baby back, which is okay. an, an extremely short time. Mm -hmm. considering so how some of these cases drag on for months that turn into yeah. years, because once you get yeah. them in the court system, it's a very slow process. Okay. But I can assure you, Charles, it was the longest 20, sorry, Andy, it was the longest 27 days of my life. It was, uh, yeah, we just did not know what the heck was going on. We weren't getting any straight answers. Mm. We, it was just very confusing. So they, so we got the baby back after 27 days, but then they still had court orders that yes. had to be served out. And again, it was a very fine line because they still, you know, tried certain things during the, um, what's called a TCO and a supervision order. So the TCOs, I took a temporary custody order. So I took temporary okay. custody or uh, of my grandchild, which was fine. I, we, mm -hmm. we, uh, signed those orders for three months along with a supervision order. So after those orders had, um, expired, they expired yeah. in the summer of 2017, mm -hmm. the social workers wanted to then add on some more time, just keep perpetuating it. Yeah. And yeah. in my book, I go into, you know, more detail of the right. timeline and right. the feelings of frustration. 
But to answer your question, it took seven months. So we went back to court when the baby was seven months old, and we mm -hmm. finally, finally got a judge who could apply some common sense, and then that was the end of our case. Um, wow. But, yeah, what happened from the, the time when she was taken at two weeks old until the time when she was almost seven months old, yes, it was... Uh, it was the worst, well, how does the old expression go? It was the worst 10 years of my life. Uh, <laughs> because it, was, it was very my, fluid. My, my. It was very fluid. There was a lot coming at us. And yeah, we just, we, we, we definitely grew stronger as a family. Mm -hmm. There was, we had to rely on each other's strengths and weaknesses and, and we got through it. So, and she was worth the fight. Like in the end, she's just a wonderful little girl. We just love her to bits. Wonderful, and wonderful. She's wow, gonna, that I think sounds I, yeah. I think I was so telling you before, so she's going to be five years old in a few weeks. Yes, so, yeah, it's yes. hard to believe it's been yeah. five years, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in that time, but, I wrote a book, so I guess it's pretty good. Okay, yes, yeah. <laughs> There's something good that came out of that experience. Mm -hmm. Tell me something. Um, what would you say during that period of time, what would you say were the effects of that experience on your family. I know you said that it it got you all uh, mm. stronger and probably got you all more connected, more united together, which uh, family need to, 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 mm -hmm. to really look at in mm -hmm. a serious way. But other than that, what, were, what was it like in terms of the effects of the entire situation? Mm -hmm. We, I think, that it, there's different dynamics there from uh, a marital point of view I had to acknowledge the fact that when I get stressed I shut down and yeah. I don't communicate effectively so it would have cost me my marriage because you wow. obviously you can't be in a marriage where you're not communicating mm. and then for my daughter, there's certain stressors that we have to manage with her. And, and yeah, I don't know if they'll ever go away, but we're aware of them now and they're manageable. One example is moving. Like if she needs to move, because again, I go into more detail in the book, but right. after our ordeal, we had moved from we had to stay very fluid and we had moved from, I don't know, we changed hotel rooms, I don't know, maybe about three times in the first month. And then she and I had to move into a place together. And anyway, we moved a lot that year. So I think finally she got into a one-bedroom uh, place alone with her baby, finally. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then after that, she, when the baby grew, she needed a bigger place. And the day we moved into that bigger place, oh my goodness, she was through the roof. It was a stressor. <laughs> so we have to manage it. Like it's right, just, right. I don't know if that will ever go away. I think moving is stressful for just about anybody, but with her, it's like, okay, we need to be ready for this because yeah, it's definitely uh yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely sets her back to that year where mm -hmm. she just was so terrified that she was going to lose her baby. Mm. Wow! So that's oh. that's a diff that's a difficult right. stressor to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my. Mm -hmm. But how, how is she doing now, emotionally oh, she, and otherwise? She's fine. Yeah, she's just. I mean, coupled with that, when the baby was turned three years old, we started to deal with the pandemic. So I think huh? she's she's honestly i just she's honestly going through this 
like everybody else, raising her kid mm -hmm. and dealing with the pandemic. So she's just like anybody else. And probably she's probably doing maybe a little bit better than some people just because we got through this thing. So we can get through this now with this pandemic. And okay. in a lot of ways, um, she doesn't have to worry too much about schooling because the baby was, she wasn't in school yet. Like the daycare that she was in shut down right away. Uh, but that was manageable. She wanted to be home with her baby anyway. So, you know, it's just, she was just like everybody else managing okay. that way. So, mm -hmm. okay, good. good. <laughs> uh, Tina, what were the lessons? Uh, and I'm sure that there are many. And, and, and if people look into the book and look at the details, would realize um, how resourceful it is. But if you had to share with anyone about the lessons that you and your family would have learned from the experience, what would you say to them? What would you mm. say to people? That it's okay to question things. I, mm -hmm. um, I, we were talking a little bit before the show, and I think maybe all the world now is starting to see these very um, tenacious <laughs> truckers mm -hmm. truck yes. across Canada and park right. their butts on mm -hmm. the doorstep of Ottawa. And to me, that's democracy. Yes. So the lesson learned, and I draw parallels at the end of my book about how we have to remind them and, and that they actually, they work for us. It's our taxpayer dollars yes, working. Yes. And we need to, we have a right to ask questions. We have the right to challenge. In fact, we have a responsibility to challenge yes, things. If they're not right. working, then, yeah, then we have to have open dialogue and try to figure out a solution that is in the best interest of everyone. And I... For me right now, I am so proud to be Canadian. I really am because I think that's exactly what's happening. It's like the Canadian government did one last straw with the with the truckers and they just said enough is enough. Like we just, we want to be heard and they have a right to be heard. All Canadians have a right to be heard. We have been struggling with this pandemic now for almost two years and without getting a straight answer as to, okay, what's the goal here? What's the plan? I mean, people are losing their jobs, losing their livelihoods. And yeah, so again, I go into a little more articulated detail in my in book, book because I don't, right. I don't, <laughs> I don't really have very, you know, very much good to say about the government because wow. of what they did they took our baby yeah. but yeah it's uh in the in, in the in the book i pretty much <laughs> my my my, you know, my. Let, let, give them a piece of my mind as the expression goes <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay well yeah i mean uh it, it, it was personal and and mm -hmm. your family mm -hmm. had to deal with with the trauma and the ordeal of it so yeah mm -hmm. you i mean you had to do what you had to do mm -hmm. uh tina tell me something Having had that experience now and seeing what is happening, uh, particularly in your country, and I'm sure other countries of the world, mine included, uh, with the voice of democracy, how concerned are you for people going forward uh, that they will not have to go through probably stuff that you and your family had to go through? And, and if so, how concerned are you about the system that is currently being operated in your country at this time? Oh, that's, that's a very good question. 
my husband and I talked a lot about that when my book came out because right. I poured my heart and soul into it, wanting to mm -hmm. affect change. Yes. And he was my devil's advocate. He goes, well, you probably won't see it in your lifetime. And I think mm. the reason why he said that is that, so yes, I do think that we're heading in the right direction. Uh -huh. I do think that change, especially now, again, seeing how united Canada is and this manifestation of what democracy looks like. But I think changes come very, very slowly. Yes, yes. And my book is just one one aspect of what I hope to be changed because I, mm -hmm. I just don't think Canadians understand what is going on in the child welfare industry and it's been able to perpetuate because of um, secrecy and because of power and because they're very like they are very skilled at okay um, okay that uh, well gaslighting is actually something i never really it's a term i didn't really use very much uh -huh. until until 2017 17. and now i and now i i pretty much say yeah i kind of know what gaslighting is because that's exactly how i felt like i was being <laughs> wow, wow, gaslit, wow. gaslit by these social yes. workers so yeah yeah and you know i'm a i'm a mature educated you know common sense kind of gal and yeah i <laughs> i i even got uh hook line and sinker boy they sure uh they sure had me but you know that being said i was also a quick study because once they took my grandbaby it, all yeah. bets were off it's like okay wait a second wait wait yeah. wait a second this was yes. not supposed to happen yeah yeah so okay yeah. great yeah tina thanks for sharing we have come to yeah quickly in the middle of the program we are halfway through people and so we're just going to take a little break and give Tina some time to catch her breath. And then we're going to come back. So we're going to okay. be out for just a minute or so. Okay. Stand by for this ad break. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You just keep listening to Andy's Personal Development with Tina Fumo live in the breakout room. Hi, people. This is a special invitation for you to join our community. Yes, we're inviting you to join our community 2022. What's in store? Well, what we want is your feedback on our content and our guests, but more so on what you need to be inspired and transformed from your current condition to one of happiness, health, and prosperity. So drop us a line and reach out. Help us to better help you achieve your goals. So, people, Inbox me at www.facebook.com slash mddreamer slash. That's www.facebook.com slash mddreamer slash. Or send me an email at lovebitsa at gmail.com. That's lovebitsa at gmail.com. We love hearing from you as we build our partnership in growth and development. And we look forward to your communicator. Help us to help you to live a better life in personal growth and development from Andy's personal development. We love you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you soon. Bye for now.
So we are live and alive back in the breakout room with Tina Fumo. And we are going to wrap up in a little bit. We are just over halfway through the program. Thank you again so much, Tina, for being with us. Mm -hmm. This is going to be your biggest question. Trust me. It's going to encourage you. It's going to enthrall you. And it's also going to put you a place where you're going to have to dig a little deep. So I'm letting oh, you know wow. just bit before. You didn't what tell me this biggest, was be... What is the biggest why for Tina Fumo? What the gets biggest... you up every day and gets you excited about life that you just want to contribute and make valuable contributions to what is happening in your world? Uh, I think communication. Mm. It's for... I, I, I'm going to go back to the beginning of your... Um, show because I think yeah. you introduced me as an author and a public speaker. Right. I actually don't like public speaking. I, I, I was part of Toastmasters to try to get better at it. And then COVID mm -hmm. started to shut the whole thing down. But the reason why I say that is because I, I love getting up in the morning to communicate in writing to yeah. The world like uh, responding to either messages that people have about my book or some of the advocacy work that i'm doing right now or mm -hmm. right now i'm just following you know this convoy and seeing sort of what the daily uh news is about that so i you know i guess that's my why because up until this point in my life i was always sort of like eh, you know kind of complacent about my place in in the world and now it's like i found my voice and i have something to say okay great um the work that you do that you just mentioned is it about the the gentle giants academia yeah it's the, so that's an advocacy group for right. children and mm -hmm for the disabled and for um, home, so homeless youth. So I do mention like uh, fundraising for homeless kids in, in the book. And then the current campaign that I work on, the director actually, when I told her about my book, she kind of thought, eh, sounds pretty controversial, Tina. And I said, you know, we can just leave the name of, you know, that charity out. And, mm -hmm. the, and it's interesting why, though, because she because sometimes they rely on government funding. So she didn't want to be associated with a book that maybe is just basically like doing this to the government. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so, I, I hear you. And that's fine. I understand that. <laughs> I have to respect that, you know. Right, um, right. But like, so, yeah, I guess just doing advocacy work. And it comes in, a you know, different ways and uh, in different um forms like for example when people come here i think there's always this impression that oh people you know coming to canada and then life will be will be great and it's like no actually Can canadians we have our challenges too um mm -hmm. i was a few months ago i was talking to someone who had immigrated to canada and she had she found out that I had lived in Banff for many years. So on the cover of my book is uh, the beautiful. The, I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, the beautiful. Yeah, the beautiful mountain range in Banff National Park. And I guess right. her image of Banff, of Canada was always you know the beautiful 
of mountains of, of Banff. And it's like, well, that's one part of it. But she said to me, she was really shocked at the level of homelessness in Canada. Right. And yeah, and I'm like, well, you know, Canadians, we have our problems too. And yep. I think homelessness takes on a different perspective here because perhaps in you know Trinidad, if somebody is homeless, you know, they, they make sure that they're covered from the rain or whatever. Whereas here in Canada, homelessness in the wintertime, it's deadly. I, I yes, mean, you yes. can freeze to yeah. death. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it yeah. just, it takes on a whole different meaning, but she said, she admitted she was quite shocked with it. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I, I, I think I can understand why you would be because it is quite <laughs> shocking yeah. even for us Canadians that, uh, so yeah, it's just nowhere is perfect, but we, <laughs> I think that's why we get up every day is just try to make this world a better place. And there's a, I mean, there's a, a quote that I keep over my desk and I read it almost every day, but I, I I'll just read it quickly here if you don't mind, sure. but, sure. but yes. it says it's from Robert F. Kennedy and mm -hmm. it says few will have the greatness to bend history itself, but each of us can work to change a small portion of events. Yes. It is from numberless diverse acts of courage that human history is shaped. So yes. I like to think that my book is that little act of courage, trying to expose the system and advocating for children who really, they don't have a voice and nobody seems to be listening to them. Yeah. Mm. Or, or nobody in the government anyway. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tina, for your commitment, your courage mm -hmm. and for your voice. You know, I think a whole lot of people need to, to know that there's somebody out there who's willing to stand up and say something on their behalf because mm -hmm. we need our voices to be heard. That is what democracy is all about anyways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I support that totally. Um, are there any other publications that we should know about? Uh, Fancy Prison is my first book. But okay. it's, interesting. it's interesting you should ask me that <laughs> because I grew, up, I grew up with a girl and one thing led to another, but she moved to the Cayman Islands and mm -hmm. she has basically lived there for, oh, I don't know, 20, 25 years. And so they spend their winters in the Cayman and they have their home in Canada because I guess there's a rule in the Caymans, maybe on yeah. uh, other islands there that foreigners actually can't la own land. So okay. they have their, their, okay. their home that they own here in Canada. Mm -hmm. But she introduced me to her publisher because she's written a couple of books. And I right. just last week, I submitted a children's book. So, so <laughs> it's, so it's very, it's obviously very different than, what I wrote about in what Fancy you, yeah, Prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, but now it'll be my second book and it will be an idea that my granddaughter gave me, but it's a children's book and it's, okay. you know, full of love and, 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 and feelings and, and hopefully a little bit of laughter, you know, and just, just a, a fun way to make this world a better place. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds like something to look forward to, Tina. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you a personal question. That is, why don't you like public speaking? And I'll tell you why. Mm. You have an engaging personality, Tina. Mm. Trust me. Your voice is warm. And it's all embracing. And your face generates sincerity. Mm -hmm. Why mm -hmm. don't you like public speaking? 
Well, I guess that was a past emotion. And like I said, uh-huh. I was taking Toastmasters to try to get better at it. Okay. And I probably did get better at it. So maybe you're right. seeing the result of <laughs> having taken right. Toastmasters. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I obviously when my book came out and podcasters were quite interested, I'm like, well, yeah. I better get over this because right. you know, this is, a, this is a form of public speaking with you here yeah. right now. That's right. That's right. So yeah, I just, I think it's not that I don't like it. I think right now it's necessary, but I just prefer writing because when I write, I can think about what I'm about to say. I can choose mm-hmm. my words a little bit carefully. In mm-hmm. Toastmasters, one of the things you do is you count your ums and your ahs. So when I wa- re-watch this later, when you share it, when you post it and share it with me, I will count how many times I said um and ah. Oh, you know? <laughs> so, so the, yeah, that's that's wow. probably why I don't like public speaking. It's because okay. you can't do you can't do it over. Like <laughs> you can't, you can't <laughs> Once keep it's done. It's that. done. You can't take it back. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas a book, you can edit it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I'm I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that. We just have a few minutes remaining, but I, I want to go down history, uh, the line of history a little bit with you, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm seeing that you were a theater manager, like between 2007 to 2014. Is is that the- correct? It's, I I couldn't quite understand your accent. The, oh, the movie theater, yeah. Yeah. In, in Landmark uh, Cinemas in yeah, Canada. In, yeah. In Bam. Oh my goodness, they're Banff, gonna have Alberta. to. Yeah, they're gonna have to pay me royalties on that one. Yeah. Landmark, <laughs> Landmark Cinemas. They used to actually own the theater in Banff, and then they went through a whole change, which is why I left in 2014. But yeah, that was my last job before I left Banff was the movie theater manager. And uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. I got to, I I mean, I like movies, so I definitely got to watch lots of movies. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. And you were the owner and operator of Weddings in the Rockies. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh, that's, wow. We're going back quite a ways here. Yeah. uh, Yeah, that was something I started when my daughter was about five years old, and it was something I started to do for my home. So she's Uh that's we're going back twenty five years ago. But it's interesting now because if you went and looked in the phone book or in sort of the ads in Banff under wedding Uh planning. There was yeah. nobody at that time. Like I was one of the oh. first people to start a wedding coordinating service. But that's it's exactly how it sounds. I would have people coming in from all over the world and they would choose Banff as a destination wedding. But what happened was that the they would kind of plan their wedding and their honeymoon at the same time. Mm-hmm. The The typical demographic of the couples were that one or both of them had been married before and they didn't yeah. want to pay for a big, you know, the big reception with the meal. They just wanted to treat themselves and make it very, very small. I actually ended up witnessing so many weddings because they would mm-hmm. kind of elope. They would elope, have their wedding myself and the photographer would witness with the justice of the peace there and then yeah. they would just treat themselves for the rest of their vacation and in the beautiful canadian rockies 
it was like it was it and they you know i didn't charge that much because it wasn't after a while like it was a joy to share okay. the, you know this really special <laughs> day with with uh you know two two amazing people and uh yeah it was uh it was it was good while it lasted uh, september 11th again another worldwide event it just killed my business like in one day you know just this, yeah, yeah. this act that happened in new york affected mm -hmm. my business in Banff because of the travel industry and i'm yeah, sure that you yeah. you know any of the islands would have felt that too i mean that yeah. september 11th had uh, yeah, an effect on yeah. tourism yeah. yeah yes it did it did mm -hmm. wow yeah tina uh you attended university of calvary yeah for uh, a little while. I think my more prominent schooling was Ryerson in Toronto. Okay. That's Ryerson, where, yes, yeah, that's, that's where I went. Yeah, that's where I went right after high school. And I think actually my first year. So at that time, uh, Ontario, I grew up in Ontario in, in grade 13, you could apply credits mm -hmm. towards your uh, first year of university so i think between yeah. my grade 13 credits and the scholarships that i received because i was an honor roll student i pretty much mm -hmm. paid for that first year of university yeah <laughs> so and then <laughs> after that i had to like work and whatever but yeah <laughs> but yeah right. it was great it was a great okay. school absolutely okay. fantastic school yeah yeah did you did you at any time envisage or had a vision of you becoming an author or <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. You don't think about stuff like that when you're, when you're in your twenties. I think you're just trying to, well, you're trying to find a boyfriend or find your soul okay. or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, then, and then the baby comes along and it's like, okay. Wow, <laughs> I, wow, I, wow. I mean, that being said, I guess I always wanted to write a book, but I don't yes. think my book, I, I could have never in a million years have envisioned what my book would be about. I just thought maybe my book would be about my Italian, my crazy Italian roots and, you know, all mm -hmm. the, uh, like how loud and how, <laughs> how interesting <laughs> it was. But yeah, that's not what my book is about. Yeah. Right. <laughs> is there any one person that you could single out that you would say would have had um, the most virtual or virtuous impact on your life maybe not a mentor but someone whose words and whose inspiration would have helped mm. you to stay on the path and, and and keep a level head and so on yeah One i yeah i dedicate my book i thought about that question a lot and i don't think it could be any one person but i do dedicate okay. i do dedicate my book to my mom right and I dedicate my book to my favorite aunt, Diane. She's no longer mm -hmm. with us. She did pass away oh. quite a oh, quite a number sorry. of years ago. Yeah, okay. well, it's, yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I do dedicate my book to so three women, and then the last one is uh, Mrs. Grant. And if okay. she is by chance watching this podcast, she is. Mm -hmm. She's widowed now. Her and her husband uh, were just phenomenal people in my life. But she was my mentor. She really. Uh, she she's the one who like literally would put me in her car and we went to Toronto looking around at universities because she was my guidance counselor in school and she knew my academic uh, capacity and right. uh, helped me with applications to get into university and that sort of stuff more so than my parents because my parents okay. 
it wasn't really it wasn't really the culture of you know uh, girls going to school because girls you know stay home and cook and clean and make babies kind of thing which wasn't <laughs> me like i had the baby yeah yeah, yeah. yeah like i said i don't cook so okay <laughs> not, very, not very well anyway yeah <laughs> right. so yeah mrs a shout out to mrs grant for sure she's okay, uh, she was a, a phenomenal mentor yeah yeah mm. thanks for sharing tina <laughs> finally and this would be my last question to you before i ask you to uh give out your handles and so on what would be your greatest concern if you had to look at uh the opportunity to heal things in the world you know, so many different areas. But for you, what would it be if you had the opportunity to shout out something that you need to see people get relief from uh, in the world? What would it be? Yeah. Oh, there's so much suffering in the world right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, I'm only going to pick one because there's yes. that's that 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 is an endless answer there's just yeah, so much yeah. that we can get yeah. into mm -hmm. i'm just going to pick one and sure. i'm going to um go back to the advocacy and how important it is right now that we continue to challenge our government because for mm -hmm. example in my book i talk yes. about red flags and birth alerts and because my granddaughter was put into the system only even only for 27 days and even though it was against our will and we were fighting and we were we loved her so much and we wanted to get her back there's this little red flag on her yeah and 20 years down the road 25 30 whenever she decides to be a mother herself if we don't get that little flag taken off of her some systematic bureaucrat in the hospital when she goes to get a baby will see this red flag see that she was in the foster care system for 27 mm -hmm. days and then mm -hmm. automatically go oh we need to take her baby because she's high risk which is wow. ridiculous so that right. has to stop that has right. to stop because the way the system you. is right now that there's no accountability and it's just ridiculous beyond words but that is my fear. If I fast forward this mm -hmm. and okay. all of this, all of this fight, all of this pain that we went through would have been for nothing because yeah. that yeah. little red mark on her for whatever reason, and whoever keeps mm -hmm. perpetuating this, it needs mm -hmm. to stop because my granddaughter, yeah. you know, whatever she decides in 20 or 25 years is going to have absolutely no reflection on that 27 days when she was taken away from us and we got her back anyway. Do you know what I mean? So yes, I hear yeah. you. I hear yeah. you. I hear you. So it's just, but that's the way the system is, and that's yes. why it's it's perpetuated and kept people down and kept poverty and addiction and you know abuse is going in these cyclical um, what do they call it multi generational mm -hmm. traumas because they can't seem to break that cycle. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's, that would be guess, it for you yeah that would be wow. it <laughs> thank you so much tina for sharing you are so spot on and and we love your sincerity i'm just going to take a quick time out here to uh inform our listeners about the next live show it would be on thursday mm -hmm. 3rd february 2022 at 3 p.m eastern 4 p.m ast and our guest will be dr ron stutz 
He's an, uh, an inspirational speaker, sorry. Uh, it says here that he can help you learn to think like Einstein and create like Michelangelo. He's also a doctor of chiropractic and a three-time best-selling author. So that's on the 3rd of February, 2022 at 3 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. AST, right here in the breakout room on Andy's personal development, Dr. Ron Stutz inspirational speaker he will be on live so back to the lady of the moment tina fumo what can people do to get in contact with you if they want to get more information about your book if they want your advice if they want to get you speaking at something virtually online of course most likely mm -hmm. how can they make contact with you tina yeah probably the best way is to just google fancy prison by Tina Fumo, okay. but be yeah, be specific and put my name in there because yeah. if you go Google Fancy Prison, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna end up with like guys in uh, country clubs, you know, serving out wow, uh, yes. billionaires serving out white collar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not what my mm -hmm. book is about. My book is right. about it's Fancy Prison calling BS on the child welfare industry, but put my mm -hmm. name in there, Tina, Fancy Prison right. by Tina Fumo, and right, it will. Right. Uh, I think the first thing that comes up is the Amazon link, but then also other social media links, how people uh -huh. can reach out to me. And then it will link back to podcasts like yours, Andy. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and how people can um, see what I'm like uh, public speaking and, and uh, or online, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes. We haven't quite yes. gotten there to, you know, I, Again, I, you know, I, I don't really envision myself in a <laughs> live audience in front mm -hmm. of a thousand people. Yeah, that's, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't envision that, but you never okay. know. I guess the only way we'll that see. you grow, yeah. the only way that you grow is to kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone. Oh, yeah. Bit, so, yeah, that's right. That's the spirit, <laughs> Tina. That's the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> that would do it. <laughs> yeah, that would do uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, folks, it has been a wonderful and really, really enjoyable experience sharing this time with Tina Fumo in the breakout room right here on Andy's Personal Development. And we are thankful for her being with us, taking the time out to share her personal information, the family ordeal and the struggles that they went through and the successes that they gained and the lessons that they would have learned and the advice that she has for people who would be in a similar situation as we all seek to develop and grow in the society that we are living in today. So we thank you very much, Tina, for coming on. And we thank you all for listening and for participating. We pray that you would continue to be in good health, uh, that you'd continue to protect yourself. And let there be God's speed for everyone. We are all equal on this planet. Right here on the breakout room and this personal development, we project love to everybody. We say love, hope, peace, happiness, health and prosperity belongs to every individual. So thank you. And we'll continue to produce the level of information I believe will bring growth and development and much success. Bye for now.